super controversial episode this time. Should we have negative gearing or not? Will the scrapping of negative gearing be a detriment to house prices and Australian society or not? There's two sides of the camp in this episode. I'll be sharing the arguments for those who think we should have it, sharing the arguments for those who think we shouldn't have it, and from a social and economic perspective, give you a conclusion as to what I think based on data should happen and if it does happen, what will be the consequences? What will occur if negative gearing is abolished? And just like a spoiler, like the conclusion, from a property investor may actually surprise you. So watch right through to the end. And honestly speaking, I have no political innuendo. I'm just sharing things as I see them best for the country, for property investors, and for all households. So carry on listening. Welcome to the Oz Property Investment Mastery Podcast. My name's PK and I help busy people build passive income by buying top 5% growth and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. So recently, Labour has come out, as in the Labour Party have said, you know, oh, we should discuss and debate whether negative gearing should be on the agenda to be abolished. For those of you who don't know, negative gearing just means that any losses you make on a yearly basis by holding your properties, you know, income versus expenses, any losses should be able to be treated as an expense against your personal income, thereby reducing your tax liability. And of course, you know, property investors are like high five all around, you know, we're saving tax. And people who are against property investors, they're like, oh, this is a, a handout for the rich. That's basically the gist of it. But let's go deep into both parties and really discuss and debate this. And I want you to share your opinion and thoughts and like that in the comments as well. Let's sort of go back and forth to, between the two arguments. The first thing, obviously negative gearing, quote unquote, increases house prices. That's one of the arguments, right, of those people who want it to be abolished. But like, let's just discuss and 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 consider this with a cool head. Negative gearing has been in place for like years. Like it's been around for decades and decades. Initially, it was introduced as a means by which to increase more rental supply because in Australia back, I think in the 50s, rents were shooting through the roof. And so they were like, hey, we need more rental properties to increase supply, thereby getting rents under control. And it was kind of like a leg up to property investors and thereby a lot of property investors got on the ladder, increased supply and rents were more manageable. And that's why negative gearing you often hear, so I don't mean to use this word as a word as a derogatory term, but like boomers or like, you know, the older generation, they're the ones who kind of go on about it the most. It's not really young people. It's like, it's not a strategy, right? It's just a, a tax outcome. And so you see all these like old people, property firms saying, oh, you should buy blue chip Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne assets because you can negatively gear and who cares about your losses because your property is going up in value. It's like, that's, there's like way better 
ways of investing, right? Why not make money on the way and get growth at the same time? Anyway, yeah, that, that's a divergent, but that's why it was included or introduced in the first place. And you can't blame all of Australia's house price growth on negative gearing. Like, for example, between 2001 and like 2008, Sydney was like dead flat. Sydney, Sydney of all places. This was just after the Olympic Games, put, putting Sydney on the map. But negative gearing was around. So it's like, well, if negative gearing has a one-to-one -one relationship with house prices and everything should always be increasing, right? Like that's uh, something to counter it. So I'm just going to go back and forth between the two arguments. I should also say that Anthony Albanese, obviously the prime minister, the head of the Labour Party has like stamped out any musings from the Labour Party. He's been asked and he's like point blank said, no, we're not going to discuss that. It's off the agenda. We're not abolishing negative gearing. Now, of course, politicians are politicians, right? Like they say one thing and they may not keep to their word. Albanese, as, as well as every single prime minister in Australia, has gone back on their word many times before. So we can't just say, oh, he said no now. That means he is always going to be against bringing a stamp out of negative gearing. It may be, in my opinion, that this term, he doesn't have enough social capital to really take on such a massive tax change, which actually cost the Labour Party their basically guaranteed election victory. You know, not this previous election, but the one before that in 2018-19, I think it was. So it's a pretty big deal. You know, there's a lot of political will to keep it in, negative gearing in. I think this term, he doesn't have social capital, maybe not even the next term, but if Labour win three consecutive terms, I think on that third term, maybe the end of second or third term, let's say the end of the 2020s, that's when Labour will probably have enough social capital to say, yep, we're going to abolish it and people, if they love Labour, it's going to go. So let's just imagine that that's actually going to happen. Let's discuss and debate and see what's going to be the resultant effect on house prices. Another thing to say is like the Australian tax office data shows that like more than 70% of landlords only have one investment property. More than 70 only have one investment property. And I don't have data for this, but my hunch is that even the majority of them aren't really property investors in the typical way. Like they have bought a place to live, they've upgraded or downgraded, kept the old house as an investment property. So they're not out there to hurt anyone. That's really the lion's share of property investors, whether you like it or not. And the Grattan Institute, they released this report and it said that the top 10% of income earners, okay, the top 10% of income earners receive almost 50% of the negative gearing benefit. Now that's going to make your blood boil a little bit, but check this out. The same data also showed more than 64% of investors that had a taxable income of less than $80,000 accounted for more than 60% of negatively geared properties. So what this is meaning is that yes, the top end, the top 10% of income earners, they're getting a lot of benefit from negative gearing, which they really shouldn't be in a, you could say, I mean, this is up for debate, a fair tax system, but all at, at the same time, the majority of property investors who negatively gear, like more than 60% of them earn less than $80,000. So it's like, yes, there's some stinking rich people at the top that are you know, just taking the government for a ride, but the majority of people that are benefiting from negative geared property are actually in the same cohort as the ones who are complaining about negative gearing. It's these people making less than $80,000. So like, like go figure. And I, I just add as well on my rant, I hope you guys are enjoying this, that like I'm a property investor. I, you know, unshamedly have 12 properties. I'm not negatively geared 
right? I'm like remarkably positively geared to the tune of many hundreds of thousands of dollars net every year. So what, what does that mean? It means that the people who are super rich, right, in the top 10% of income earners and actually taking 50% of the benefit of this negative gearing scheme actually invested in crappy properties because like, why are they still negatively geared? Like if you actually buy a good property, it goes up in value and so do the rent. So the whole point of owning property is like passive income, right? Funding your retirement. So I just don't get it why all these like rich people have like terrible properties that are costing them so much money. Anyway, that's a that's a side sidebar. But I have to say like when you look at other countries that also have negative gearing and look, there are countries that have negative gearing and many countries that don't have negative gearing as part of their tax system. Those countries, if you do like a side-by-side -side study that do have negative gearing, have lower rents on average. Now, why is that? Same principle as why it was introduced in Australia in the first place. The more property investors you have by incentivizing them using negative gearing, the more rental properties you have, therefore, the lower rent you have. So you, there's no denying it. And also I'll add that like in the US, even if you don't have an investment property, just a place that you live in, the interest component on that is has the ability to be offset against your income. So it's like negative gearing isn't like apples to apples, like with like versus all countries. There's so much nuance in it, like the US, where even your own property where you live, you can deduct against your income. So you kind of have to say, oh, it's not that just property investors in Australia have been given this handout. It's actually like a, not a common, but not an uncommon tax scheme around the world as well. And I should also add that it's not a tax scheme just for property. Like even in Australia, it's not just for property. People negatively gear the stock market or any investments almost, right? So what does that mean? If you make a loss, you know, in the stock market, that loss is able to be offset against your income. So you know, if you, if you are of the opinion that you think that, hey, property prices in Australia are in a bubble because of negative gearing, well, by that same logic, you'd say, well, if Australian investors in general have an unfair advantage, then the Australian stock market, ASX 50, 100, 200, etc., should also be in a bubble versus its global peers. But when you look at the stock market's price earnings ratio, you know, a very simple way to value a stock or the entire index, you see that actually Australian stocks are cheaper than the NASDAQ or, or the FTSE or the, you know, except against leading benchmarks. So it's not that this scheme or tax scheme in of itself causes asset bubbles, whether in real estate or stock market. That's just not true. And one more thing I just want to add as well is like, the government makes a lion's share of its revenue through things like stamp duty. Now, of course, that's at the state level through land tax, through capital gains tax, etc., etc. So for them to abolish negative gearing, it actually means that government revenue is going backwards because, yes, they are giving negative gearing benefits to the public, and they will have to or get to stop giving them if they abolish it. But actually, they'll forego on much, much, much more tax revenue disproportionately if they abolish negative gearing, because that will mean that there's less property transactions, therefore less stamp duty, less capital gains calculations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is kind of like from a budget perspective, this is shooting yourself in the foot if you're the government. But I'm seeming very like pro-property investor right now, so let me balance the scale a little bit. 
should negative gearing be abolished? There was actually a study done, okay, by the Reserve Bank in 2017. This was, you know, around the time Labour introduced its policy in that election campaign to abolish negative gearing. It found that removing it would lift home ownership rates to as high as 72.2%, okay, of all households having their own home. It would reduce home prices by 1.2% and raise rents marginally, okay, according to this workshop. Preliminary results from that modeling exercise, okay, concluded that eliminating negative gearing altogether would lead to an overall welfare gain of 1.5% for the Australian economy, in which 76% of households would become better off. It's hard to argue with those kinds of numbers, right? Now, of course, it's not that everyone would become well off. The welfare effects are heterogeneous across different households. Renters and owner-occupiers are winners, according to this study, but landlords, especially young, high-earning landlords, lose, said the university researchers Yoon Ho Cho and Shoyam Mei Lee and Lawrence Uren. So their modeling is showing that eliminating negative gearing would reduce housing investments and house prices and increase the average home ownership rate. Comparing across stationary equilibria, removing negative gearing increases the average home ownership rate by 5.5%. Now I'm of the opinion, and this is just my opinion, that everyone should have the ability to own their own home. I don't think it's a right, like I think you have to work for it, like we live in a capitalistic society, but everyone should have a fighting chance at least. So just on the basis of this, I think removing negative gearing is a good thing. What? Like, this is a property investment channel, PK. What on earth are you saying? But check this, this workshop out by the RBA. Like, this is when they used to be credible, right? They're saying that it would reduce home prices by only 1.2%. So if you're a property investor, it's like, just chill. Like, it's not like, like this massive boom that we've just had over the last two years is going to retrace back to like 2010 levels we're basically looking at flat house prices, okay? We're basically looking at flat house prices just a little bit down, which just allows a few more people, you know, 5.5% extra people to own their own home, according to these studies. So house prices go down by just over 1%. All of a sudden now, about 5% more people can own their own home. Like that's, I think that's a good thing. Like, don't you guys think that's a good thing? Now, you're probably like, okay, negative gearing was actually abolished in the past. Like in 85, it was abolished, all right? And then it was reintroduced in 87. So like, what are the learnings from that historic example? Well, the learnings from that historical example is that rents didn't go through the roof. And this is exactly the opposite of what property unions tell you, like Picker. I think these, these people like do a lot of good for, and Property Couch guys are, uh, not that I'm a huge fan of Property Couch, but they're a big proponent of Picker. In fact, they're on the board of you know agencies or organizations like Pippa and Picker, which I'm a supporter of. But I think these property unions, they kind of overstep their mark in some respects and only take care of property investors. And they go on about, oh, hey, you know, like if you abolish negative gearing, rents will go through the roof because all of a sudden investors will sell their properties and there'll be less 
stock on the market, and then there will be more rent hikes, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you look at the historic example in 1985 to 87, like that just wasn't true, right? As in fact, most of Australia, and this was in booming stock market times, by the way, in the mid 80s, most of Australia did not have huge rent rises in that two to three or four year period, you know, from and just after the reintroduction of negative gearing. So like, where's this all coming from? I delved a couple layers deeper and I found that the areas where there, there was huge rent hikes last time it was abolished was only Sydney and Perth. Why? Sydney and Perth is because in that time, the vacancy rate was less than 1% across Sydney and across Perth. So those are the areas where already rents were rising and this abolishment of negative gearing meant that there was less rental stock and that meant rent ro rents rose so much more. So I'm not saying that that's a perfect example of what will happen now, but if you compare it, it's not just a flippant statement, oh, hey, rents will go every up everywhere, but you got to take it in the context of where we're living right now, where there's basically a rental crisis everywhere. Like there is not a capital city with a vacancy rate less than one or 1.2%. In fact, regional is even tighter. So I think, you know, even though I don't subscribe to this like pro property investor, you know, evergreen mantra that rents will go up if you abolish negative gearing. I think in this moment in time, 2023, if you do abolish negative gearing, rents will go up 30%, 40%. That's going to lead to like political crisis because it's simply not aff affordable and that could actually lead to a self implosion or, or like a, a massive recession and political um, unrest, I would say people are not going to be happy. But once again, like I said at the start of this episode, I don't think the Labour Party has the social capital to abolish negative gearing right now. I don't think the Greens have that much real, you know, you could say sway. They're, they kind of go for clickbait, to be honest, with their sensationalistic, um, you know, appeals and cries. Maybe if the Liberals need the Teal Party, it could be on the agenda, but I just don't see it with a, a Liberal-led government. I think in the third term, if Albo was to get to a third term or Labour was to get to a third term, I think that's when it could occur. And hopefully the rental crisis is, ab is abated by then. But once again, I just don't see it happening. I think this rental crisis is here for the next decade. So you we're know, kind of stuck between a, a rock and a hard place. I think in this instance, it, for the rest of the decade, if negative gearing was to be abolished, I do think rents would rise everywhere, unlike in the 80s where the only rose in Sydney and Perth. Okay, so that, that's just one thing, like I'm not just towing the party line here, I'm just trying to be like thoughtful in what I mean and what I say, but I do think house prices will, will decrease. But once again, we have this massive shortage of housing and there's so many immigrants coming in. I'm not talking about it from a social perspective, from an economic perspective. We need those immigrants because there's a labor shortage here as well and skilled labor, not just random labor, but skilled labor. So we need those immigrants to continue causing the Australian economy to grow okay that's very important so how do you you know where are they going to live there's a housing shortage house prices go up so I do think like that study had concluded that house prices will be a little bit softened due to abolishing negative gearing but I don't actually think it will be any more than one or two percent because we have such a chronic labor shortage causing immigration causing house prices pressure 
upwards and we have a shortage of houses in Australia which I've demonstrated in previous videos. And there's this kind of one nuance that says, oh hey, what if they leave negative gearing for just brand new homes? I don't think that's much of an argument because when those brand new investment properties or homes become secondary homes, like when that investor who does get negative gearing because they bought this brand new house and land package, sells it on the secondary market, you know, second hand, as, as you of course do, then that other person doesn't get negative gearing, therefore the home value diminishes. So I don't think that's like any incentive for all of a sudden there to be a boom in construction or a boom in house prices on fringe of cities where there's a lot of land and you can build brand new homes. I don't think that exists because ultimately that person has to sell it to the secondary market and the secondary markets ain't gonna love it. So in conclusion, and, and stay for this, right, negative gearing and welfare quantitative study for the Australian housing market. This is obviously commissioned by a university that I referred before. The conclusion is subsidizing the supply of rental properties by providing tax credits to landlords, i.e. negative gearing, is common housing policy in many countries. In this paper, we've built a heterogeneous agents overlapping generations model to analyze and quantify the effects of negative gearing, a tax concession that allows landlords to deduct housing investment losses from their gross income on house prices, rents, allocations, and welfare for the Australian economy. Our model shows an equilibrium repealing negative gearing, decreases house prices, increases rents, thereby improving a home affordability of Australian households. As a result, the average home ownership rate increases. The responses to the policy reform are different along the dimension of household age and earnings. So in conclusion from me, I think young, rich people that are buying negatively geared property, blue chip Sydney, Melbourne, which you shouldn't do anyway, are going to suffer. The rest of us who are buying established properties that's neutral or around positive cash flow, it's not gonna matter anyway because we're not really relying on that negatively geared benefit. And overall rents will rise, not just because some agency or property union said they will, but because that's the, been the example or precedent in 85 to 87, only in those cities where vacancies were low. If vacancies blow out, then rents won't rise, but I just don't see them blowing out anytime soon. I'm a proponent of getting rid of negative gearing, not because I don't like it as a tax policy, but I think more people should be able to afford their own home. And if house prices go down by one or two or 3% on average, according to these research reports, home ownership goes up by you know up to 5%, which is a good thing. And over, overall, they're saying people's welfare will increase by 70 to 80%. But hey, guess what? Like once all of this like kind of shakes out and the dust settles and everything like that, over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, rents go up anywhere in Australia because the housing shortage is such a brilliant country to live in, everyone wants to come. And so do house prices. House prices, rents both shoot up in the long term anyway. So whether you have negative gearing or not, in the short term causes some adjustments over the long term. I don't see any difference in any property investor's thesis or philosophy of where to invest, why to invest, and how to invest. Guys, hopefully this brought you value. I don't know everything. You probably won't hear any other property investor, unless they're just copying me, agree with the abolishment of negative gearing. But I genuinely think, and I believe that this is a good policy to get rid of for the Australian public. Will it stop me making money in property? Hell no. Catch you later, guys.